Welcome, welcome on back into the QC Hornet's Nest, a podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Moon. This is your place to get all the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you stories other shows won't and giving you the inside access other shows can't. This week, I'm joined by Kelly Oubre. We discuss his time in Charlotte and what he's enjoyed most about it. What's worked so well for him this year? How his flow within the game changes coming off the bench as opposed to starting? Playing for Steve Clifford and more. So are you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. We're back once again. And spoiler alert, the Hornets are still injured. Once again, the injuries are the main story for the Hornets, and that's been their issue, as we know, dating all the way back to the preseason when Cody Martin and LaMelo Ball both got banged up and things just haven't been the same since. To recap, essentially going to this weekend's action would have a stretch of three games and four nights. The Hornets have racked up already more than 50 games missed due to injury. We are just barely a quarter past the season. And they've essentially already doubled the amount of games they've played in terms of the amount of games that have been missed by some of the key players. Let's bring the list down. Starts with LaMelo Ball, who, of course, got banged up and retweaked his ankle, stepping on a fan, um, making his home debut a couple of weeks back. And has been out since. Um, he's been on the court doing things pregame and practice. Um, so we'll see exactly where he's at and how much longer he'll be out. You know, if you were to ask of all the guys who are injured and banged up, to me it appears like he may be the one who will probably return faster than anybody else because the other guys still have a ways to go, it appears. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But Dennis Smith Jr. is still in the walking boot going into the weekend. So his availability is going to be in question for a while still. Um, he toughed it out, but the ankle's been bothering him going back to the preseason, according to Steve Clifford. So I don't expect him to be back right away after he initially came back a couple times and fought through it. And Gordon Haywood has gone down again, and it's been a common occurring theme, as we know, during his tenure with the Hornets and even before he got here. Unfortunately, Gordon just can't stay healthy. Um, he has a shoulder uh, contusion or scapula fraction, f- fracture, excuse me, you know, what they're calling it now. So uh, unsure when he'll be back. And that's obviously a blow to the team because even though they – played with him so much over the past couple of seasons. He still makes the team better when he's out there because of his playmaking ability and his ability to make the right play and kind of be a quarterback for the team out there and kind of calm the guys down. He's not going to go out there and score 30, 40 points the way he used to, but he does different things that aren't always um, going to show up in the box score and they're going to miss that. Um, and who knows how long they're going to miss that because it seems like he's going to be out for a while. 
And then, you know, Cody Martin, he appears to be walking a little bit better. Um, he's still weeks away from getting back on there probably the way he would like to be, but um, at least he's progressing in that regard. But all in all, it seems like it's going to be a while until the Hornets are really a healthy bunch. And it's kind of a shame because when you look at how they started the season when they were three and three, well, they've essentially gone, you know, three and 12 kind of since then. So it's just one of those things where they're, they just got to find a way to just, I guess, hold it down as much as possible until they get some of their guys back. But, you know, when you're three and 12 in your last 15 games, three and 10 overall, and, you know, when you have basically just won three games at home and three on the road, it's one of those things where you, you, you at some point, you just got to get it going. Because if you don't, as things stand going into the weekend, you're pretty much at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. You're essentially only one game ahead of the Pistons and Magic going into the weekend action. And really, you're right there with them for the most part. It's just more about who has more losses and et cetera, which, which of course, will shake itself out eventually and will even things um, at some point as they kind of get closer with their schedules meshing, per se. But the Hornets, to me, are kind of in a danger mode time a little bit because of just the fact that there's, they're tumbling in the wrong direction. And it appears that it's going to be at minimum a month, let's be honest, minimum a month until they can get completely, fully healthy with the guys who are already out right now. That means everybody is back. That means LaMelo's back. Cody Martin's back. Dennis Smith Jr. is back. Uh, Gordon Hayward's back. At minimum, it's probably going to be at least a month. You're looking to probably sometime maybe after the holidays are over. So the Hornets have to do whatever they can to not let the season spiral really in the wrong direction because there's a lot of talk out there now about tanking and et cetera, but these guys are too prideful for that. And they're not going to go out there and just lay down. And when they get some of these players to come back, they're going to go out there and, and give it their all. So we'll see when that happens. But if you're the Hornets, you kind of hope it happens sooner than later. Because if it doesn't, the season could be lost before we even get to the next calendar year. All right, well, we're going to shoe the mailbag this week because I had a really, really good conversation with Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre, as most of you guys know, has had taken a lot of responsibility this season because of all the injuries, and he's done a good job. He's, he's shown that he's an all-around player, not just a guy who can go out there and just fire away three-pointers. We had a good conversation about that and many other things, and I want to bring you guys our chat right now. First, this is year two for you, man. Um, how would you how would you say um, things have gone for you so far in your, your two seasons here with the Hornets? Um, they've gone well. Um, you know, just coming from where I've been at in my career, uh, just like the ups and downs, like the un uneasiness, like I've never been able to find like a consistent flow in the city, um, other than the city that I was drafted in mm -hmm. because I was there for so long. So it's just been amazing, man, to come to play for this city, play for this organization, and 
you know, now already have been able to, you know, get my feet planted and, you know, really start to make some waves. Like, you know, I just hope that, you know, my energy is affecting the city in a positive way and this team. So, but from my standpoint, man, it's just been lovely to be able to be, get acclimated with this team, these, the staff, front office and everything like that. So, I mean, I just feel like this is like a, the best start for me, you know, in any of my years. Really? So it seems like you really like it here, man. I love it here, man. Um, you know, my grandma moved to North Carolina when I was still living in New Orleans and I never knew why, but, you know, God has a funny way of like, mm -hmm. you know, bringing everything full circle and now I see why it's just a run city, upbeat, you know, it's just straight, um, it's love here, you know, and I just, I, I love to be around everybody from this city and, you know, in this, you know, arena, so. What's uh what's worked well for you this season, man? You're having a great year out there. You're obviously starting, team is lied upon you heavily with all the injuries. What's worked so well for this year, would you say? For you um, so? I would say uh, first and foremost, opportunity, a crisis success. Um, you know, I work my butt off to always stay ready so I don't have to get ready and um, to, to carry myself in a you know, professional manner. So, you know, my preparation is everything. But, uh, you know, the opportunity has opened itself up for me to go out there and just be able to compete every night and um, guard the best players on the other team and, you know, also go at them on offense. So that's been a blessing. But uh, just pretty much just not settling. I feel like last year I kind of just got into my head since my three-point shot was feeling a little better than it was the year before. I started settling for more threes. And now I'm getting downhill. You know, I'm shooting the wide open shots that are, uh, you know, more in rhythm and I'm just trying to play basketball the right way. And also getting my teammates more involved. Um, I don't know what stats say, but, I, you know, I try to pass and, you know, create open lanes for my teammates instead of for myself every every play. So, What about that? What about being more all-around player? Like you said, you mentioned that sometimes, I guess, in this league, you can get caught up in scoring because that's what people get excited about. I guess it's like in baseball, hitting home runs, but right. you become more of an all-around player. It seems like that's kind of stuff you're trying to be focused on more this year, it appears. For sure, man. I'm not satisfied, you know, hardly with anything from, you know, my performances ever because I just want to be great. So, um, you know, if I'm not locking up my uh, opponent, and I'm only scoring it. But if I'm only scoring, I'm not rebounding. I have no assists. I don't think I play well. It's not about scoring for me in a sense. Like it's about tying the whole artistry of it into one because basketball is like a lot of different moving parts that, you know, go into one, you know, game, obviously. Mm -hmm. So just trying to, you know, be an all around player, like you said, and just uh, continue to just stay focused on, you know, the little things that uh, the fundamentals and, uh, you know, continue to just improve every day. How does uh, your flow within the game change? when you're coming off the bench as opposed to what you're doing right now starting? Like, how, what's the difference? Oh, man, you get to start the game off, start, you know, you get to break that first sweat. You know, you get to punch first or, you know, react to the other team's punches. And you can kind of control the beginning of the game instead of coming in there and not being able to really control the time to score, you know, not being able to really control the flow of the game at that point when you come in. So it's just, a you know, a huge different difference for, you know, a competitor in a sense, like, yeah, you have to adapt to whatever situation that you're in as, you know, we have to do as professionals. But, you know, if you get to go out there and be the first one to hit and be the first one to run up the floor and be the first one to like break the ice on the game, mm -hmm. you know, it pays dividends all the way long, long term throughout that game. Now, just tell me, man, Tsunami Poppy, like, mm -hmm. where'd that come from? Tell me about that nickname and how you got that going. Tsunami Poppy, man, is humbly like the father of waves. Um, you know, tsunami is like one of the biggest waves and uh, one of the biggest, you know, uh, bodies of water that is formulated through obviously, uh, you know, the shifting of plates or, you know, um, volcanoes, things like that. But it happens through eruption. So like, you know, for me, my whole life, like 
I've always been a fiery, fiery individual, as you guys see on the court. But uh, I've been able to really find my true self and like kind of channel that energy into like my chi, which is what I use in my aura, what I use to perform and channeling that into that positive stream has, has helped me and uh, help me become like a better all around individual, not just being angry, but also using using everything as fuel to motivate me to do positive. And that's just who Tsunami Poppy is, man. And obviously, you know, self-explanatory, like I don't look for credit with anything that I do, you know, whether it's fashion, whether it's the wave is free, you know, but at the end of the day, I have to like beat the beat my uh, kids in their tracks who try to do things and act like they're the, the flyers or the first people to do things. So, yeah, I'm the poppy at the end of the day, like everybody knows, but they ain't got to say nothing about it. You mentioned fashion, man. You got the black nail polish, man. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Some people see you and say, wait, black nails, like, like what, what's that all about? Man, to be different, first and foremost, but also I'm very comfortable in my own skin. You know, my wife paints my nails. I've got my wife's and my daughter's name on my nails. You know, it's just trying to be a little bit eccentric, but keep it very uh, punk, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of my, 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 my vibe. And, you know, I just I don't like to be like anybody else. Uh, simple as that. But I also I understand where a lot of old heads come from that aren't really you know, into this type of deal, like, hey, man, y'all don't have to be nowhere around me. You don't have to like me, but you got to respect me because at the end of the day, I don't really care that people judge me for my nail polish because, you know, it makes me feel good. You know, first and foremost, I, I bite my nails too. So it also, <laughs> it also helps me not, you know, go go to town on my fingernails, but it's just art, you know, and I, I like to look at them and, and, and see some messages on there, but also know that, you know, I could be my be myself and do what I want to do. You mentioned being yourself. Fashion is a part of it, as you said, man. Mm-hmm. I know you got your own fashion thing going. Mm-hmm. What? How is that going for you now? And how important is it for you think to be fashionable in the NBA? Because I know years ago they had the whole dress code thing and all that kind of stuff with AI. But mm-hmm. as a player, I guess as a person, like how much do you enjoy trying to look fly yeah. when you first going to games? Uh, for me, man, a couple of quotes come up to, come come to mind. First was JJ Redick a couple of years ago. He was like, "Yeah, some of these young guys, uh, they put more time in to." Uh, figuring out their outfits before the game than they do putting them to the game, right? And I, t- I took that kind of personally because, like, it's not about that. It's not about picking out an outfit. It's not about, for me at least, I can only speak for myself. It's, it's more so about, man, you know, you look good, you feel good, you know, you play good, right? But it's just fun. You know, I get to wake up every day and put on what my emotions are telling me to put on. I don't pick outfits off of, like, oh, I'm going to kill them with this one. I put them on because that's what makes me feel good. Obviously, it has to be comfortable. It has to have certain colors that I'm feeling like. And, you know, it's just a form of expression. And I feel like that's the art of fashion. And I don't have a stylist, you know, so I do it just to express myself in, in, in the most eccentric and best way I possibly can. But also just looking polished and feeling like I'm the best dressed person in the room. You know, that's how I operate. So um, I always try to, you know, keep myself up and, um, you know, look professional and presentable no matter what I'm wearing. Is there a little comp on the team between you guys? Like, I know Mel's obviously a fashionable guy, Terry Tuesday. You guys have a little bit of, like, friendly competition to see who can come out look the freshest? No, nah, I think it's more respect now. I feel like last year was more like, who going to put it on every day? And, and now we all pretty much know that we all can dress well. You know, we all put it together very nicely. And everybody has their own niches. You know, you, you won't see... You know, other than like ski masks, you won't see us wearing anything other that's really the same because we all have our own styles, just like our styles of play on the court. Right. You know, that's that's the beauty of it. Just like basketball is art. Fashion is art. And, uh, you know, we just try to express ourselves in that way. Can you just explain just the brotherhood on this team? It seemed like people on the outside don't understand 
how close you guys are. Even though you guys are losing, have injuries, they think mm-hmm. oh, this team isn't very good. But, they, but you guys mm-hmm. care about not only each other, but but on the course. Well, what about that the brotherhood out there that you guys have formed the last couple of years? Man, I mean, when you when you go to war with people and you go to battle each and every night with, with individuals and um, let alone whole seasons, you grow closer no matter what. You don't have to say you know two words to each other, which that's not the case here. But you you just have that mutual respect that you know this is my brother. We're going to line up and we're going to go to war against somebody, some other team together. And you know you just have that soft spot in the, in your heart for that person because like they're putting themselves through you know tough times with you, right? And uh, I mean I think that's what we have here, man. We we are all like minded individuals who who you know we like similar things like music, clothes, cars you know, obviously jewelry and things like that of the, the new generation, but we also know that we want to be great. You know, mm-hmm. we want we don't want to settle for mediocrity. So throughout all of this turmoil and adversity, I feel like it's grown. Our bond has grown stronger because we're the only people who could like talk to each other about what we're going through because nobody on the outside really cares mm-hmm. and nobody on the outside really, you know, would, would be able to understand or listen to how our frustrations may be uh, casted. So, you know, it's just one of those things, man, where we just grow throughout the adversity and we grow stronger. And once it's our time, when God decides that we understand, we've learned our lesson from all these lo- all these losses, mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll be able to put it all together tenfold. Yeah. Just great, man. Last thing I was going to ask you about that. Tell me, tough times for you guys right now. So how do you keep positive when you're going through losses and you're going through injuries and, and teams are having better um, records than you guys, and I'm sure you feel you should be just as good as they are. How, how do you guys keep positive when you're going through stuff right now? You got to put it in perspective. Um, yeah, you could you could continue to say we're injury ridden. We uh, are down a lot of our main guys, and you know we have young guys who really doesn't know how to have the reps to play. But at the end of the day, we're growing through all of these mistakes. We come in every day and watch the film from the last game, and. The same things you see that we could have did better, we're seeing that too, and we're working on it. So, you know, as, this is to the fans pretty much like, yeah, you may watch the game and see me mess up or see me do something nutty, but at the end of the day, the next day, you can guarantee maybe the, like minutes after the game, we're already dissecting the film, we're already watching all of our mistakes. And, you know, for a lot of the guys who haven't been in these positions to make these mistakes and grow through them, this is the time. So uh, although, yeah, you know, the, the wins and loss columns isn't where we want it, I would much rather be where we are today than where we are last year because last year I feel like we felt like our shit didn't sink and we felt like we were actually doing something when we were just barely 500. So now we have, like, from the bottom, there's only one way to go, and that's up. So, you know, Coach has been a really, you know, good advisor for us to keep our minds locked in on the chase. And it's a marathon, not a sprint, man. So every team in this league is good, and, you know, we'll see where it crumbles at the end of the day. I was going to ask you about that. This is my last thing is Coach Clifford. You mentioned him. How has he helped you guys get through this tough time, and you individually as well? Yeah, man, he's just been um, a sturdy, a sturdy like, rock in our corner. You know, we can always lean on him. We can always talk to him to gain knowledge, to gain a better understanding of what we don't know. And Coach is, like, the most easy – like, he's one of the most – uh, comfortable people to talk to ever in my life, right? Um, to somebody that's just open arms and welcoming, you know, he's some, one of those individuals where you want to talk to him and you want to learn from him. He knows so much about the game of basketball, but he also has been through life. So he knows how to, uh, you know, turn the switch on and off when it, if I have a question about defense or I have a question about just general life and where my head is at, he can switch that on and off. So he's not just a coach, man. He's more of a leader. He's a mentor. He's, a, he's like a I would say older brother because, like, you know, he's definitely, you know, it's like an older, uh, you know, father figure in a sense. Yeah. So, 
he just he, he really cares for us and he really cares about the game of basketball or anything more. Hey, awesome, man. Thanks for some time. Kevin. No doubt, man. Thank appreciate you. I always love yes, talking yes, to you. Sir. I love talking to you, man. You're great, man. Thank you. Thank man. you very much, it's sir. Love, we appreciate Kelly Oubre joining us this week on the QC Hornets Nest. Hope you guys enjoyed me talking to Kelly. As you can see, it's a very good interview and gives you some really good perspective on things. Um, so many thanks to Kelly for joining me this week. All right. So as we look ahead now, what the Hornets have coming up, the schedule is, is kind of daunting. But the one good thing about them is of their next eight games, six are coming at home. And for those of you who follow the team closely enough, you know this season they've been on the road feels like the entire year. So they begin with a tough back-to-back, though, beginning Friday against Washington, follow up by a date with the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday night before a day off, and then they welcome in the Los Angeles Clippers on Monday. An old friend, Nick Batum, who will be interesting to see um, what happens in, with that game and the reaction there. But it's going to be imperative for the Hornets to kind of they're going to write the ship. It kind of almost has to happen a little bit right now because, you know, they're at the bottom of the Eastern Conference and standings and they just are floundering because they don't have, obviously, their, their key players. So unless they can find a way this next stretch here, again, a six of eight games coming at home, it's going to be tough for them because after that six of eight game stretch, they go into the world for a long West Coast trip that has some really tough matchups, back-to-backs um, against Denver and Sacramento. Then they go out to L.A. and after, you know, taking on the Kings who beat them, remember, on Halloween um, back here in Charlotte. And then, again, they go to L.A. and take on the Clippers and Lakers before finishing the trip off with a back-to-back against Portland and Golden State. So it's a very difficult month for the Hornets. And if they can't get something going here, these next few games, you know, it, it's going to be a really, really almost nearly impossible task from my mind for them to kind of get out of this hole they dug and be able to become a playoff team. Because even though still within striking distance and you haven't had your best players at some point, again, once you climb out of that hole and when you're trying to get to 500, that takes a lot out of you. So if they don't, Turn this thing around ASAP, beginning with this three-game stretch coming up at home um, again against Milwaukee and, and and Washington and the Clippers. Then the next time we speak, it could be really, really interesting to kind of see where the Hornets are at because if they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel and the injured players haven't returned, then who knows? what lies ahead for them as they go into the rest of the holiday season. All right, this week's random stat is net rating, which essentially is the difference in score per game for a team. The Hornets' net rating is minus 6.1, which means, again, they're being outscored by about six points a game. That ranks 26th out of 30th in the NBA. It's kind of hard to win if you can outscore your opponents. It's the name of the game, obviously. And the Hornets have had a really tough time doing that this season, which is why they've struggled and why their record 
you know, going into the weekend is almost 10 games below 500. So they're not scoring enough. They're 109.2 points per game, ranks 25th out of 30th in the league. But again, a net rating of minus 6.1 with them 26th out of 30 teams in the league. And if that doesn't tell you just how much of a struggle has been for these guys, then I don't know what else does. So there you have it. Many, many thanks to my guest, Kelly Oubre, a.k.a. Tsunami Poppy. And thank you so very much for joining me on this latest ep of the QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out charlotteobserver.com. And for special offer to gain full access, click the link in my stories where it says, support my work with a digital subscription. All right, until next time, we out.